Hey, we got a special privilege for you today. The privilege is not that I'm not speaking. That's maybe a privilege to some, but, but the privilege today is who is speaking. Great dear friend of ours, Lana Vasquez from, or Vasquez, I could Vasquez. It's my southern accent, I think. Vasquez is from, uh, lives in Thailand, originally from America, but she moved to Thailand and started a ministry called Life Impact International that we started supporting several years ago. And remember that Every week when we receive our tithes and offerings, a certain percentage of that goes into missions, 10% at least, usually more like 12% by the end of the year. And one of those ministries that you give into is Life Impact International. So what's going to be so great is that everything she's talking about today, you get to say, I'm a part of that. I'm helping do that because our seed that we're sowing today is making a difference. So what we're going to do is show a quick video about a little bit about their rescues, what they do, what their ministry is about, and then Lana's going to come up and bring the message. So check out the screens for the video, and then Lana will be right with you. He was a beggar. He had to make 70 baht a day. If not, they'd beat him. Four years old, so cute, super cute. His mom had sold him to the Mamasan, or Mamasans are the uh, the owners of the street beggar ring or the street beggar children, and the mom had sold him for thirty dollars. Uh, and she's actually a prostitute in Bangkok. And so we we are trying to get him, trying to negotiate with him. Met with the Mamasan twice. She wouldn't give him up. It was he was a bread and butter. He was one of her the favorite um, the favorites on the street because the one of the most earners because he is so cute. So finally, after lots of negotiation, they kept him from the streets for about a month because they were scared we were going to get them. And just by chance, one day, we were here with the team. We were walking up and down, prayer walking, and uh, he was there with all the children. And we were able to snatch him and to get him that day and to rescue him. And, uh, and we got him miraculously. So right after this little boy, we got another girl and her baby brother seven-year-old girl with one-year-old baby brother. I mean, just the baby brother was about to die. He looked just so disfigured. His skin was falling off his bones. He couldn't walk. And the mom, again, had uh, they she had left down to Bangkok to be a prostitute, and she had left a $100 debt to these kids to pay off. So they had to beg every day. The seven-year-old sister with the one-year-old brother on, his hip, on her hip had to beg every day to try to pay off the mom's $100 debt to get down to Bangkok. The baby was going to die. I mean, if we didn't interact, if we didn't get them, then definitely that baby was going to die. And you should see them now within three months. They look like completely different children. They filled up, I mean, just all of it. They look like completely different children. We know that their life was forever changed. And that's part of it, too, the scripture that the Lord had given us about these street children and what we could do right here in no man's land with all these children that are sold. He just said, I'll give you the precious treasures in darkness. And we just know that these street kids, they're the precious treasures sitting in darkness waiting for us to come and get them, waiting for us to come and pick them up, to wash the dirt off them, to clean them up, and give them a hope and a future in Jesus Christ.
the Rose Church. We're so happy to be here with you. This is one of my favorite uh, things to do is come back and tell you what you're a part of and what you're doing halfway around the world and bring the world to you this morning. Um, I have a couple things really quick. I didn't say this to the first service, but I wanted to tell you that little boy, uh, the, the one that his skin was falling off his bones, he actually had an incurable disease. And uh, and they went, the first time they went to the doctors a while ago and nobody knew. We, we didn't want to tell anybody. We didn't want him, you know, just to be prejudiced against at school or anything. And so uh, only the, our main leaders and his house parents went to the doctor. They said we can't, uh, the first time they said it's kind of went into hiding because it doesn't go into remission. And so it kind of went into hiding. We can't really find it. Went back for another blood test and our house, uh, his main, our main leader called us crying. It's gone. They can't even find it. The doctors were crying. In a 98% Buddhist nation, 98% Buddhist nation where 2% is Christianity, the doctors saw a miracle. They said, we cannot, we've never, ever seen this before. They themselves were crying. So it's incredible uh, what God is doing. Uh, a couple uh, other surprises that I have for you, sweet surprises, is not my Thai daughter. If you could stand up, please. She, uh, she's my Thai daughter. All the way from Thailand, she actually was the first little face I saw when I was 24 years old, 17 years ago. She was 14 years old from my very first home, and she came up to me and said, I don't have a mom, and you don't have a daughter from this day forth. You're my mom, and I'm your daughter. And she's been my daughter ever since. Uh, and uh, she's been with me in war zone. She's been my interpreter. She's kept me alive. And, uh, and, and so, and actually, I have some applications in the back. If any of you guys are single, she's single. And uh, there's some applications. You could be on a flight back to Thailand, a permanent missions trip forever because you can't come here. I need her in Thailand. But uh, no. <laughs> but I also have something very sweet for you. If you could cue those pictures. Uh, we were, I was going through some things and I thought if you recognize who that is there, uh, I was going through my pictures and I saw these and I thought this is so precious. This is your first visit to our homes. It's when uh, it was way back in the day when we only had one home. And, uh, and you could go to the next one. And, uh, and our kids, you see, pay attention to, to Blessing holding his little foot right there. You see her little hand is on his foot the whole time in all the pictures. Her little hand is on his foot. I think she didn't realize, wow, this is like Bigfoot. You know, like these are right. <laughs> and you could go to the next one. Sorry, Pastor Chad. Uh, and I'm telling you, the kids were fixated on taking him down. It was like the giant is going down today. I don't care if it takes 10 of us, we are getting them down. They were not afraid. You could go to the next one. They they were uh, their own personal uh, jungle gym. You could go to the uh, next one. Like the little boy's feet aren't even touching the ground. They're holding on him with everything they have. None of their feet are touching the ground. And you could go to the next one. I mean, it, it, they were not going to stop. Our kids are not afraid of anything. And you could go to the next one. And, uh, and if you ever wanted to know what it was like, she was so fixated with his feet that she put on his shoes, you know. If you ever want to know what it's like to walk a day in Pastor Chad's shoes, you can see right there. I love it. I love it. You guys are such a part of us and what we're doing. Uh, I have some, thank you so much. I have some incredible updates. We, uh, part of our deal is prevent, rescue, heal, uh, prevent child exploitation, child trafficking, and then uh, rescue and heal long-term aftercare. Right now, it, we have over 500 children. We spend over $5,000 a month in prevention 
prevention alone that's preventing daily, weekly, monthly children from being sold, exploited, sold into slavery, sold into the sex slave industry down in Bangkok. Bangkok is six and a half hours uh, down south from us, and that is the main uh, targeted destination. We're at the mouth of the river on the border where 60 women and children are trafficked daily on our border. And, uh, and so prevention is a huge deal. We do that through schools, through feeding uh, centers, through the gospel, through weekly outreaches. But recently, one of our schools is in this migrant community where the farmers, the children, uh, they can go to school up until 10, and then they sell them to the farmers, and they work on the farms from 10 to 14. And at 14, they're sold down to Bangkok. And we went in that area, and there were 11 children in this little schoolhouse. And uh, and I, I started talking to them and saying, what can we do? It's, it's a pool for the traffickers. And we try to hit the pools where the traffickers and get to these little kids before the bad guys do. And so I said, what can we do to reach this area? And we actually grew that school, went from 11. We now have 92 children in that school, 81 children in one village alone that are stopped from being trafficked. We have a feeding center, a weekly Bible study in the dump, in the local dump. We're in the dump. There's 300 people that live there. We've been in there every week for eight years faithful, and now the dump no longer sells their children. We work with the moms. We work the communities. So it's been incredible. But... Uh, Number, so that's been amazing, but number two, rescue. Right now, we are dubbed the MESOP model. And so basically what that means is if you want to prevent, rescue, heal, work with at-risk and exploited children, you need to model it after our prevent, rescue, heal, life impact model, basically. And so the government has dubbed us the MESOP model. Anybody working with exploited children in Southeast Asia in the ASEAN community, ASEAN means Association of Southeast Asian Nations, it's like the European Union. Anybody working with children in this, basically we're the model for that, and they're going to pattern it all over Southeast Asia. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And they know we're Christian, and, and this is a Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu area, and they know we're Christian, and we've gotten so much favor, so much though. Our child protection officer, basically, he's a life impact child protection officer. I got to baptize him about three years ago. He said, New Year's, I want a new start, and he is the key person that works with the government government the governor is on speed dial he's life impact staff well they base they right now put him on a board there's five seats for child protection in our whole region and life impact has one of those seats our child protection officer has a seat so that means that he has a voice for the vulnerable he has a voice for the voiceless and we get to speak up on behalf of these children and these babies and determine the end and basically fight for those who can't fight for themselves so it, it's a favor that is just unprecedented we haven't seen it. it we, it, it's never been done before. Last year alone, we had 47 rescue cases that Life Impact went on. That's a child a week that our team was uh, on. That's just that's just the rescue. That's not the investigation. That's not the prevention. That's just rescues alone. And, um, and so it's just been unfounded. Uh, we have. Uh, I, I wanted to show you something with the Promised Land. If you can put up that picture, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, this actually is, I've shared it before, we have 25 acres, and so it's uh, prevent, rescue, and then heal. We have 25 acres, actually, and we've done family-style safe homes. We just built our 16th family-style safe home. So these children get a mama, they get a papa, they get a family. They learn what it is to be a husband and wife, to be a mother and father. They've never seen this before. So they can pattern and be good members of society and learn to stop the cycle of poverty and abuse 
abuse in their generation. And so the 16th Family Style Safe Home, that big, uh, it's kind of in the middle. It's our worship center. I'm going to share a little bit about that in some of our stories. But across the road, um, it, if you see there's a little road, and right across where it starts to open in the far right-hand corner where there's more, you see the trees, and then it starts to open, we just acquired 17 acres and we're making it a boys farm agriculture vocational training center. We're going to move our older boys over there. Uh, they uh, Right now we have a, a girls zone that just has a handful of girls and then we have a mixed zone for babies and toddlers. We're the only ones that rescue babies on our border. Babies go for $18. Uh, they'll basically cut open their stomach, put the gems, uh, uh, Burmese rubies, methamphetamines, swaddle them and use their bodies as carriers. And so we're the only ones that rescue babies. So we have a babies and mixed zone in that area. And then we have, here's a boys zone. We are, our girls, our older girls, we have 30 older girls in that place that you saw with uh, Pastor Chad. That was our first home. They're still there. I'm waiting to the move the boys because how many of you know teenage boys and teenage girls shouldn't live together on the same farm? So we're so very thankful. We're moving the boys over there. And then the older girls will come. And, every, and we're building a bridge, bridge of hope. And we're going to connect them together. We're going to have uh, high security, armed guards. We're going to build the Great Wall of China around those properties. <laughs> no, but we will have 24-hour uh, security. So God is doing incredible things. From that property, you can see the lights of the new highway. It's basically called the New Silk Road of Asia. It's the ASEAN Highway, and it will run all the way up to China and all the way down to Singapore. And we are putting rescue headquarters on that property. And we will have 24-hour um, border monitoring. So basically where there's immigration and checkpoints, Life Impact will have its own booth and we'll be able to look in the trucks and see if there's any babies from any of the other countries. And we'll be able, we have the authority, same as police, we'll be able to apprehend and to get the baby. So it's incredible. It's that was part of our agreement. I shared a little bit about this last year. That was part of our agreement with the government. We had a secret meeting with the governor, and he basically said, well, you, we know what you're doing. You're doing it illegally, but we like what you're doing. Will you do what you're doing for the government, of for the kingdom of Thailand? And so we said yes, and he said, what do you need from us? And the Lord spoke to me and said, don't ask for money. Ask for two things, uh, citizenship for all of your children, for, for Thai citizenship, and authority, same as police, so that you can rescue and be protected from the corruption. And that's the two things we asked for, and that's the two things we got. And so, uh, so in that, it's incredible. God has given us so much favor. We opened, uh, we built and opened a high security um, safe house that's actually off all of the properties. It's in a secret location. Again, 24-hour security. It's more of a smaller confined because that's the, the first stop. By law and decree of the Kingdom of Thailand, every single rescue child has to come through Life Impact stores, which is, I mean, just unheard of. The Lord gave me the, uh, just gave me the promise, violence will no longer be heard in your land. Salvation will be in your walls and praise will be in your gates. And the Lord said every single child that comes through those doors will experience salvation in their hearts, in their minds, in their bodies. And that praise, they'll come in crying and scared. But when they leave, they'll be singing the praises of God and rejoicing. And so we're so excited that every single rescue child on the border we are um, entrusted with and we get to bring Jesus to them. We get to teach them. We get to teach the rescued about their rescuer, Jesus Christ, the 
one and only rescuer. Amen. So that's incredible. Um, recently, I wanted to share actually a rescue story. Sorry, media. I, I bless you. I'm, me- I'm messing you up. I want to share with you a rescue story. The little boy, uh, the 10-year-old little boy. Actually, when we get a rescue, this is what uh, it looks like on my desk. It's, it's grassroots. So I get a report like this, and, and they interpret it at the bottom. And so this little boy was 10 years old. He was sold from his mom to his auntie to herd buffaloes. And basically, um, when he wouldn't work and when he would just play like a normal little kid did, they would chain him to the wall. And the neighbors said that they beat him so bad that they would have to turn away and they couldn't even look. When we got him, there's all kinds of marks on the back of his head's chunks and, and just uh, wounds and different things on the back of his head. And my staff called me, and they see cases all the time, but my staff literally called me crying and saying, we've never seen anything like this. We need to get this little boy. So we got him, uh, brought him to our home. He's so precious. But he came in. Uh, we have daycare for the babies that we rescue, and so it's their schooling before we get them into kindergarten. They have to learn how to eat right. They're usually malnourished. So we just try to love on them and get them normal to the point where we could send them to public school. And so basically we put him in there because it, it was too middle of the year. We couldn't get him in school. And uh, so he's going to sleep with the babies, taking naps with the toddlers. And he said, no, no, I, d- I don't want to sleep. Please, I want to keep learning. They never let me go to school. I've never been to school before. Please keep teaching me more. Can you keep teaching me more? I mean, my teachers were crying. He, uh, and then when he, it's time for eat, he said, I get to eat meat. They never let me eat meat before. And then he w- they would have, of course, breakfast, three meals a day, you know. And he said, I get to eat three times a day. They only let me eat two times a day. I get to eat three times a day. And now his life, it's been like Disneyland for him. I want you could go to the next picture. Uh, it, he is just, that's him in the blue shirt with the smile. I, that's, he's on our football field. And you could go to the next one. And, uh, and that's just him looking out for his future. And it's just incredible. I wanted to show you a couple um, uh, after stories, a couple after, like just what their life is like after and heal, after care. If you can go to the girl with the passport. Um, so this little girl, we rescued her. Well, she was actually a week old, and she was abandoned by her mom. She was raised by her four-year-old sister, and they were in this hut where the doors don't even lock, and, and it was in a tar- the, the traffickers targeted this area. It was a pool for traffickers, and they said, if you don't get these girls, when the father goes to the field, they're done. They're gonna, the, the traffickers are going to kidnap them. They're going to be stolen, and the father had other plans for them as well. So the girl's raised in my home, and when she's about... Uh, I think she's about uh, 9, 10, about that. She has this dream, and she said, Mom, have you ever had a dream like a God dream? And I said, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? She's like, well, let me tell you what happened. She said, I saw my name, and she said, I saw this ID card. Okay, these are stateless kids. They've never had anything. They've never had any form of ID. They don't have a birth certificate. We literally have to look at their teeth and have to kind of guess their age. We have to give them names. We have to give them birthdays. My birthday is like a national holiday with fireworks because they've all chosen my birthday. So it's just like, it's it's crazy. So that's what they do. So they're given birthdays, they're given names, their ages. I mean, you'll look at them. It, it's all kind of, uh, you know, it's just all crazy. And so, but this girl, she chose Bella Lynette Priscilla Vasquez. So you have a little Asian girl with the Vasquez last name and the missionary's middle names. And so, uh, so basically she said, I saw this ID card and it had my picture. And again, she'd never seen anything with her picture on it, never any kind of identification 
identification card so she wouldn't even know what an ID card looks like. And she said, and on the top it says ASEAN, Association of Southeast Asian Nations. And she said, and from that ID card I was able to get on a plane. And she goes, and I got, I went upstairs and I got on a plane and I went a little bit, like only 45 minutes, not long. And she said, and then the plane stopped. She doesn't even know. Do you know, we didn't even have, at that time our airport wasn't open. We didn't even have escalators on our border. One time the kids believed to go for a holiday. They wanted to go to the zoo to see rabbits. Uh, I think they secretly wanted to eat a rabbit, but they were, so they wanted, and so they were, uh, they, they literally believed God. These are kids. I mean, they've never seen anything like this. I remember we had a, a picture of a beach on the wall because I heard that's calming and it's beautiful and waves. And I was trying to explain, I was going to take them to the swimming pool that morning. And I said, mom, what's a swimming pool? And I said, well, you go and it's like, there's water and your feet can't touch the bottom and you're just swimming in this water like that. And they pointed to the picture of the beach. They said, is that a swimming pool? You know, they, they had no concept at all. So these kids believed God to go to uh, Chiang Mai to go see a rabbit at the zoo. And uh, and so we went and they said the last day, I said, okay, what do you guys want to do? You have one more day. What do we, what do we want to do? We could go back to anything. What do you want to do? And, uh, and they said, we want to ride that ride. And I thought, I didn't take them to an amusement park. What ride are they talking about? And they said, you know, the one that goes up and down, up and down. They were talking about the escalators. They wanted to go back to the mall. They'd never seen an escalator and ride the escalator ride. This is what, so they wouldn't, she would never know that you have to go upstairs to get in a plane and come downstairs and the, to get off a plane. She wouldn't know any of this. So anyway, she said 45 minutes and all of a sudden the doors opened up and she said there was a sea of people and most of the people went to the right side and above their head was a neon sign that said those who don't know me and then she said there was a little bit of people on the left and it says and above their head on the neon sign said those who do know me and she said mom could God and she goes and their skin was a little bit darker than mine could God be calling me to be a missionary to Malaysia and, and at that moment she knew she was called to the Southeast Asian nations to be a missionary all up and down that highway, that new trafficking Silk Road highway that's right along, right next to our land. And so she said, can God be calling me? And I said, that sounds like what that is, honey. Is that what you feel in your heart? And she said, yes, I want to reach the Muslims in Malaysia. And, she's, and she said, well, so I feel like what God's telling me is I need to learn English so that because in ASEAN, as they're joining together, they've dubbed English as the main uniform language for all the different countries. She said, I need to learn English so I can get into these countries as a missionary. And so she all of a sudden set out, she goes, and I need to learn English in America. Okay, at that point, we weren't a government-recognized safe home from the governor. We didn't have that agreement. We didn't have any kind of citizenship. She didn't have anything. And so I just remember her saying, Mom, do you think it could happen? Do you think I could go to America and learn English? Do you think that, it, it, you know, can my dream really come true? And I even remember, I didn't know how it was going to happen. They're illegal. They have nothing, you know. And so I said, honey, and the government at that time was telling us no citizenship, no papers, nothing. There's no way you can't adopt a child from Burma. None of this. They're trafficked over from Burma, so they're not even Thai children. Not to get not to Bur to Thai America. It took. She got denied three times. It cost us three hundred dollars, and so we just gave up. They actually told her she was too pretty to come to America. That she's gonna kill me. That I told you guys this, but <laughs> and so so anyways, with that, like so, it wasn't. There was no way that I even knew anything. And I said, honey, if you believe 
all things are possible for those who believe. And I said, I will hook up with you if you can believe. Hey, you got a vacation to Chiang Mai, and you saw rabbits and rode escalators. So if you can believe, all things are possible for those who believe. So if you believe, I believe in you. And uh, and so at that, so she's that age, right? Fast forward about 13, 14, her father comes because he wants to come to work. They sell him at about 14. So his father shows up at our girl's home. He wants to come and get her so that she can work for him and he could sell her so that he can make money. And uh, and so he comes in. I see him at the gate. It's myself. It's not. And it's our house mom that was over the, that's over the girl's home. And I just remember these are strong women, right? And they're mama bears. And I just remember him walking up and I'm thinking, you picked a bad day, buddy. Like this, I feel bad for you already. You know, like uh, I, I just remember thinking that if I had, we weren't scared. We were scared for him what we were going to do. And so you don't get mamas like that. You know, three mama bears. You don't, you don't mess with three mama bears. And, uh, and so anyways, and he was a stout, you know, he's a farmer, so he's a stout man. And so he comes in and he sits across the table. And I remember him just not even looking up at us. And we were just tearing into him. And he wouldn't even look up. And he's like, I, I, I'm going to take my daughter. And he wouldn't even like look up for our response. He was scared of our response. So we were just ripping into him. And then all of a sudden he shouts something to his daughter. And she runs up to the stairs and sits on the stairs and just starts crying. And I say, it's enough. You go now. You get out of here. And so, uh, so the dad went out the door as he left. And I went and sat next to her. And she said, honey, she said, uh, mom, he said that my dream will never come true. He said, how can your dream feed you? How can your dream's not even possible? You, how can your dream feed me? And how could your dream feed you? And, uh, and that's not even practical. There's no way it's going to happen. And she's crying. She's like, mom, do you think I can really get to America and learn English? Do you think that it's really going to happen, that I'm going to be a missionary to Southeast Asia? Do you think? And again, I said, honey, if you can believe, all things are possible for those that believe. It's not about what I think. It's about what you believe. And, uh, and so she said, okay, I believe. I believe that that's what God spoke to me. Do you know that this little girl last year moved to Rancho Cucamonga, California? You know what she is holding in her hand? That is a yellow passport that doesn't even exist. It's the only, there's only two of them. She got the second one all these years in the kingdom of Thailand, in the whole country of Thailand. She is the second stateless person to ever get to go. We found a loophole in the law that she could come to America for education visa purposes, and her miracle happened. Second in all of Thailand. All of Thailand. Do you know that the Thai passport isn't even yellow? It is red, brownish, and it, it doesn't even, people have never even seen this passport. When she went to go get her visa and her passport, literally the, they had, she had so much favor. She said, Mom, I think she was secretly Christian. She said, the lady said, I am so excited for you. She said, the lady started to cry, and she said, I will expedite your passport and expedite your visa. When she got on the plane to come to the international flight, the, the stewardess, at the lady that was checking her in, had never even seen that passport passport before. She said, what kind of passport is this in Thailand? She had never even seen this passport. The other lady came behind her. She's like, it's okay. You could go ahead and just let her in. I I've seen it before. She'd never seen it. There's only two in the whole country. She this girl had unprecedented favor, and it's just incredible. I'm telling you, what God do is doing in Southeast Asia and on the earth today is unprecedented. One last thing, and then we'll get into the message really quick. If you could go to the third in command of the kingdom of Thailand, the way we found out about that passport is 
we had the highest levels in Thailand, in the nation of Thailand, the judicial branch, 30 lawmakers come to our promised land and see our model to see what we did. The guy in the middle in the suit, in the black with the white shirt, he is third in command in the kingdom of Thailand. Before we had, I shared with um, two years ago, we had the, the some of the highest levels of security, the soldiers. We had uh, the Thai government, the governor, and we had the Burmese government, the Burmese military junta at our promised land. But this is the one all the way at the top. It goes the king, the prime minister, and then this guy. I guess he'd be called your attorney secretary general. And so he came to the promised land. He toured. This is how powerful this guy is. So uh, in Asia, you never go in front of authority. You don't sit in front of them. You don't walk in front of them. So the guys that were with him that are actually pretty high up in authority as well, they were walking in front of us, and me and him were walking and talking. I was showing them everything. They literally, I've never seen this before. I could, I'll break my neck if I do it. But they jumped sideways so fast. I'd never seen it to get off the path of us walking. That's how powerful because you can't even walk in front of this guy. And they, they were scared for me, my staff was scared. They said, if they, he yells at you, you know, like, just don't worry. He's been yelling at everybody, saying they're not doing their job, so it's okay. Like, he's just a mean guy. But he's walking with me. He's like, be careful of your step. You know, it's like the king and I. And, uh, and so it's, be careful of this. It's okay. Don't get your shoes dirty. And so, and, but he looked at me, and he said, you know, why do we not know about you? Why does our country not know more about you? We need to get the newspaper. We need to get the media. We need to get everybody out here. I said, no, sir, please don't send the newspaper or the media. We're trying to keep it a secret a little bit. And, uh, and he said, did my government help you? And I said, no, sir, not one bot. Your Thai government has not given me one bot. And he said, has your government helped you? And I said, no, sir, the U.S. government has not given me one dollar. And he said, who helped you? And I said, my God, my God helped me, sir. And, uh, and it goes back to that big worship center. When we started to build that, like, I don't know how to build a church. We had to email all of our friends and, and this house and ask, okay, how do we build a church? God just spoke to me and told me to do it. And he said that it would be a lighthouse that shines all the way up to China and all the way down to Singapore and that we would send out labors from that church all up and down the new Silk Road of Asia. And God just spoke that to me, so that's the only promise I had. So we sent out to build this church, and he said that I was young and inexperienced, just like Solomon, but that in the last days that the Queen Sheba's of the earth will come, and they will see that, and they will say, blessed be the Lord your God, that pagan and idol worshipers, that the Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu nations will come and say, blessed be the Lord your God. And it is in concordance with what he gave me when I was 24 years old. 17 years ago and the dream that he put in my heart that uh, that basically the children will be arrows in the hand of a mighty man so are children of the youth they will not be ashamed but they will subdue and conquer the enemy at the gate and so he showed me that I'd raise up a generation in these nations that don't know him in the Buddhist Muslim Hindu nations of the world where it gets dangerous for missionaries to go that I'll raise up a generation that knows him and they will reach their own nation that will send them back and will send them all over the earth to reach their own people to reach their own nation and to change their own generation and to stop the work of the enemy at the gate. And do you know, I didn't even know the fullness of all of this. Do you know that there is a sign that when you're driving up the mountain to my border town that says, welcome to the gateway of Southeast Asia. We are on the gateway of Southeast Asia and we're going to send out arrows. These children that we're rescuing and raising up to know their rescuer, they're going to go back to their own nations and they're going to reach their own nation and they're going to stop the evils against their own generation generation in the last days. Isn't that incredible? It's just unheard of. So this man... 
this man coming, it was on the news. It was on everything. They gave me like a special two-year visa that I lost. And uh, I was like, God, give it back, please. Sorry. And, uh, and so all these different things. And, uh, and it's just been I, this time that we've been walking in now is just unprecedented. And I want to read to you, if you could go over to 1 Kings, and we'll start at 1836. And, um, and, and just the word, the miracles, everything that he's been, done, has been doing in these days has just been unprecedented. And unprecedented, um, what that kind of, like, what that means is never done or known before. Never experienced before or unparalleled. Never has been before. Unmatched and unequaled. And that's what we're seeing. Just unprecedented favor, just miracles, provision. But I tell you, it hasn't been like this this whole time. It's, I, I, I say that, but we've just came out of our hardest season personally and in our ministry that I'd ever walked through. And, uh, and, and I, in all of this, and I'm going to, I'll share more, but in all of this, I saw the Lord led me to this with Elijah, and I see that I wasn't alone, and I'm not the only one, and uh, I, I shared this message from Malaysia to Brazil, and every single person that I've uh, spoken to, every single leader, pastor, and even just people in the church, they've said, we've gone through the same exact thing, this has been the hardest years of our life, the past two years, the past year and a half, but what I feel was the enemy is trying to get it, just throw everything that he could against us to get us to quit because the next season that was on the other side, our se- what was on the other side of our obedience and the unprecedented season was something that would never, I mean, it's, it, it's, we've never been in this time before and it's been incredible. It's been amazing, unprecedented influence like we've never seen before. And I believe that's what it is for the body of, the, uh, body of Christ, that the enemy is just trying to get us to quit because the season that's ahead of you is unprecedented, unparalleled. You haven't seen anything yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Can I say that here? First <laughs> Kings 1836. <laughs> and, uh, and so let's look at this and let's look at Elijah's story. And it says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So let me give you the backstory. Okay, Mount Carmel and Elijah comes and defeats 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, this huge miraculous event, this big deal, this big event, you know, uh, miracles happen, and from the miracles, people see who the one true living God is, and from that, they turn to repentance and they say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So it's miracles. It's like a crusade. It's like an outreach. It's a big deal. One of the largest events they'd ever done is similar to Freedom Rock. Just lives are changed. It was incredible. Now let's keep reading. And uh, like in, in part of that too, supernatural strength came on Elijah, another miracle in between it. But then let's go to 19. 
And it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with a sword single-handedly. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. I'm done. It's over. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And so just in context of this huge miracle, great event, and it just took one lying voice, one doubt, one bad report, one circumstances, one situ- one circumstance, one situation, and it sent him running the opposite way. Where he ran to was opposite of what God told him he was going, opposite of the promise, opposite of what called him, God called him to do, opposite of what God asked him to do. He went away and he went alone, and that's never a good idea. When you're going through something, it's never a good idea to go through it alone. And so he ran the opposite way, and I say it like this, just one lie, one disappointment, one situation can cause you to forget all the 450 miracles that God had done, all the 450 promises that you've seen come to pass, all the great works that he had done for you that he had seen. Just one lie just causes you to forget every single thing that he had fulfilled. And I just, it, and my story is very similar in what I went through, and I want to keep looking. And it says, uh, if we keep going, and it says in five through seven. Then as he lay and slept under a broom, uh, under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coils, coals and a jar of, sorry, coils. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but uh, Vasquez, when, sorry, this is such a side note, but Vasquez, and I was with Miss Teresa and Miss Teresa said, uh, what did you say? Lima beans instead of Lima, <laughs> Lima Peru instead of Lima. I love it. Coils. I, I can't, uh, speak English. I've lived in Thailand 17 years, and so I just blame it on Thailand. Just blame it on the nations. That's all you got to do, Teresa. I love it. <laughs> and so, uh, sorry, side note. And and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And I'm going to tell you, when I went through uh, something I did, it was I was in the truck, and, it, and it's crazy because this conversation with uh, Elijah and God was the exact conversation. And I, I hadn't even put those two together, but the exact conversation I had in the truck with God. And I said, God, I was in the truck, and I just said, I'm done. It's over. It's finished. Who do you want me to hand everything over to? It's too big for me. I don't have the capacity. I can't. I've failed. I can't do this. You know, like it, it's done. Who do you want? me to hand everything over to and the Lord spoke to me and he said who told you that who told you you failed who told you it's over who told you and I said well I haven't done a good job I, 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 I and he said who told you you haven't done a good job and I said well Lord this 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 I'm not a good leader I don't have the capacity you know I don't know what a, it's too big for me I said all these different things and he said who told you that 
And he said, Lana, he said, you, you think you're smarter than me. And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, yes, you do. You think you're smarter than me. You think you know better who to rescue my children, who to love on my babies, who to love on my staff that I've called to you. You think you know better who to reach this border. You think I didn't do a good enough job when I chose you. You think I didn't know what I was doing when I chose you. And I said, no, sir. He said, yes, you do. And he said, Lana, you're not perfect, but you're perfect for what I've asked you to do. You're perfect for what I've called you to do. You are my perfect choice. You're perfect for the people that I've sent you to. You're perfect for the ver to do the very thing that I've designed and I've created you to do. And he said, Lana, it's not over. It's just begun. Lana, it's not the end. It's only the beginning. It's not done. You, it's not the end. You're only just beginning. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you in this. You know, and in that, if you go to look, in, uh, and as you're saying, I'm just going to read this to you real quick. Isaiah uh, 60. And he gave me this passage and when I was going through that whole time. And he said, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you at that time that I went through there's a lot of different things but one thing is I lost a baby first time ever in 17 years we lost our very first baby David he was eight years old and then I, um, my one of our missionaries lost her mama to cancer and then one of uh, my missionary mentors my missionary mamas uh, one of just my mentors my pastors my leaders she had uh, she had cancer as well and I just said like God I felt like I lost so much you know and I just in that when you see all of that what had happened was I'd let the circumstances get on the inside of me. And in that passage where it says, arise and shine, you know, that passage, the Lord told me, look it up. I looked it up and it says, arise out of the disposition that current circumstances and depression have laid upon you. And so I didn't realize that those situations, I'd let them kind of get on me. And I had to arise. And when he said, arise and shine, I had to rise up and break it off. And so I rose up and I broke it off. And at that moment when I'm looking and looking what he told, it's crazy that he told me the same thing that he told Elijah. We said, rise and eat, rise and eat, for the journey ahead is too great. Do you know that a boat doesn't sink from being on water? Water is all around it. Water, I mean, that's what it does. It sails above water all day long. A boat doesn't sink from the water. It sinks when the water gets on the inside of it. When the circumstances get on the inside of you, when the junk gets on the inside of you that you're going through, but he said, arise, arise. Deep darkness will cover the earth, but the Lord will arise over you. Be radiant and shine in the midst of it all. What's going on to the right or the left, it will not come near you. It's going on around you, but it will not get on the inside of you. And so he spoke that to me and he said the same thing, arise for the journey is too great. It's too great what God has for you, what's your future. It's too great for you to sit in despair and in discouragement and to stay there. You can't stay there. You got to get up and get moving because the journey ahead is too great. Get up. <laughs>
and you don't stay there. You don't stay in the depression. You don't stay in the circumstances. You don't let them get on the inside of you. You arise out of it for the journey ahead. What God has ahead of you is too great. It's too great. And if you look with Elijah, what happened was after that, he had some conversations and the three things he told God, he said, one, I'm, I'm done. It's over. You know, like I'm going to die. It's over. It's the end. And I love God's response. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. You're not done. You just got started. You're not done. You just got started. He said, I'm alone. I'm alone. He said, you're not alone. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. There's seven. There's a remnant. You're not alone. Be of good cheer. Your brethren around the world are going through the same circumstances, and they're winning, and you're going to win. You're going to win. And another part he said, another part he said that's a key part is uh, he said, I did everything you told me to do. I did all I knew to do, God. I served you. I was zealous for your purpose. I did everything I knew to do. Like, and this still happened. What did I do wrong? I did everything. And I love what God says because he was going back at that moment. He was going back and he was doubting everything and he was running the opposite way. But God just reminded him, you go back to the last thing I told you to do. You don't run away from it. You run back to it. You go back to the last promise I told you, the last thing I told you to do, the last time you heard me, that last thing I spoke to you, you go back to that. You know that we are living in such a time right now that is unprecedented that we're getting things that, that one, that we didn't even ask for. God's given me things that I'm not even asking for. I just step back and I'm like, I didn't even ask him for this. And he's giving, he's doing exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask, think, or imagine. But he's also giving me things that I forgot I asked for. You go back to the things that he's put in your heart. And I believe during this time, I didn't even say this for the first service, that he's bringing up things that you had forgotten about, but he never forgets. He never forgets. You go back to the last thing he told you to do. You don't want to run away from it. You run back to it this morning. Amen. Arise and shine. Arise and shine. Arise and eat, for the journey ahead is too great. It's too great. What's ahead of you? Your best days are ahead. They're not behind you. They're ahead of you. They're ahead of you. They're not behind you. You can't stay. You need to get up and go. You need to get up and go. And I believe that when you walk out of these doors, that it's now a season of unprecedented in your life. You know, I want you to uh, lift your hands, and I'm going to pray for you. And if that's you, that it's just been like uh, maybe just in that with the circumstances and just kind of a season of discouragement or despair or just something that you need to rise up out of and, uh, and where it's kind of, it's a little things have, have gotten on the inside of you. And I just, you know, or, or like that passage says, uh, arise from the prostration that the current circumstances and, and depression have laid upon you. If that's you and just things have been laid upon you during this season, I want you to wave your hand at me so I know that's who I'm praying for, that I'm praying for you. Yes, 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 okay, yes. Um, you know, in, in part of all of that and, and in this with Elijah, he went and, and when he came out of that season and he went back, he went and stepped into an unprecedented season. His service multiplied. Every single need uh, that he, he voiced to God, every single thing was answered and then some. It, 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 he went then into an unparalleled time. It was all multiplied. Not only did he got a successor, I mean, just every single thing that he had said, all of God's promises were yes and amen. They were yes. Every single thing was answered and then some.